everyone. Welcome back. We got another episode of Devil's Army Cast on tap for y'all. James and Chris. What up, everybody? As always, episode 40. Jersey number 40. Not very popular in Devil's history. The only one on in my head, I didn't cheat at all for this one, is Josh Jacobs. I know wore 40 whenever he's up with the team. He's actually currently up with the team. Yeah. But, um, it definitely yeah, seems like I know a Josh number Jacobs. you see on a call up. And, yeah. I mean, we already went over Lou, you know control this organization for such a long time and he was very strict about who could wear what numbers and stuff like that so yeah so Josh Jake is really the only uh character that I could think of so all right today what we got going on for you we got current news we got recaps previews we got a little new segment we really don't know what we're going to call it but just talking about like a few guys or aspects or things that caught our eye with the devils this week like going death about a couple things there um, got our like stock up, stock down. Who's been doing well? Who's not been doing well? Um, Devils wise, I'm going to end it out with a little uh, Binghamton Devils, Newark Devils talk here to end things. So, news wise, Claude Julian, Montreal Canadiens former head coach, got fired. Dominique Ducermy, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, has taken over the job there. As you remember, the Canadians got off to a really, really good start. I believe they lost three of their last four or four of their last five or something like that, which sparked the firing. I find it kind of interesting. I don't think Julian was the problem there. If you look at just their 5v5 numbers, they're probably one of the best in the whole league at even strength, 5v5. Their PK power play has struggled a bit, and Carey Price has not been good, which it would the, continuing the theme of goaltenders being paid a lot of money and just not doing well, mm-hmm. Sergei Broski, um, Carey Price. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was really warranted. I think the Canadians are going to be fine. It has a lot to do with that division just being bad. It's almost yeah, like they cleaned they house the trigger here too quickly. They, they got up? rid of former devil uh, Kirk Muller, too, who's an assistant. Yeah, he was an assistant coach there so as well. They, they basically got rid of uh, two guys and left one who was left as the uh, interim, so... Yeah, I thought it was an interesting move. I don't totally agree with it. Um, they're they're like like I said, their five v five plays one better in the league. It's just a peep, uh, power play, penalty kill, and carry price has not been good. Jake Allen's been solid for them though, so who knows? We shall see. Staying in with that North Division, the Edmonton Oilers are on a very quiet. Well, quiet to me because I don't know. I, I didn't know this was happening, but the Oilers are on a eleven and two over their last thirteen stretch doing playing really good hockey up there they have the most potent offense in the nhl um high school or you could say in terms of they have the highest goals for per game in the nhl has a lot to do with that north division they also have the greatest player or the best player in the nhl on their roster um two of the best players in the nhl on their roster they haven't caught toronto yet which is kind of crazy Toronto has 21 points. I think it has of now. The Oilers have 18 or something like that. Or no, that that cannot be correct. But um, yeah, Edmonton's doing uh, really well. If you want to talk about, have you have you noticed this little phenomenon that's going on in North Division with Edmonton? Kind of popping up on, uh, I guess, hockey Instagram and stuff. Um, I do follow like some of the Canadian stuff, like Sportsnet and stuff like that on there. And I see them posting, like, which tandem would you rather have, Matthews and Marner or McDavid and Dreisaitl? And then I see them talking about, like, the MVP race. And it's like, is it basically between two people? And it's like a picture of Matthews and a picture of McDavid. So I've kind of seen the, the buzz between the two teams. But I had I didn't know the Oilers were on such a crazy streak. I mean, I'm looking at it now. They're tied. They're basically tied for second. They're with the Canadians, the Oilers are. Um, they're in third, I guess, because of a tiebreaker of some kind. Um, and then Toronto's sitting up in first with 26 points. What point percentage? Uh, I think Montreal might just have – yeah, I think it's point percentage because Montreal is three games less yeah, played. So I'm looking so, at the standards right now because I said I said it wrong before. So Maple Leafs are first with 32 points. They're 15-4-2. Oilers are currently second, 14-8-0 and 0 with 28 points. And so they're 11-2 and 2 in their last 13, which is a crazy stretch given they only have 14 wins. And then the Oilers – or the uh, Jets are sitting at three right now and the Canadians are slotting in at four. You are correct. So how many? I don't know what happened. Many, my how, score, like it just when I opened it, the, it pulled the standings from like a couple of days ago. I just slid up and refreshed it, and it showed those numbers you had. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. But um, how many is the top three or four in each division again? It's, it's top four, right? four in each division. Yeah, I, I 
I think Maple Leafs, Oilers, Jets, Canadians sounds about right. I think I had the Flames in there and the Oilers not in there in my original season predictions. But yeah, that's your uh, North Division update. It's just so funny seeing on Twitter the like constant just bickering between Canadian hockey fans. It's yeah. it's the best between the the Maple Leafs, Oilers, and Canadians fans going at it. It's just funny as heck to watch mm. on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, but, those are your three most historic franchises there. So, Yeah, it's just funny. But, um, all right, enough North Division talk for today. Uh, we're moving on to um, – we got some drama in the East Division, Devils Division. So Jeff Skinner has been a healthy scratch for, I think, two games now. I know the Sabres beat up on the Devils, and that was a little weird. Devils just didn't play well. But the Sabres are still dumpster fire. Don't, don't forget that. They're a mess over there in Buffalo. Jeff Skinner has been a healthy scratch for the past couple games, and he is due $9 million for the next, like, seven years or something crazy like that. And supposedly Ralph Kruger didn't even know that Jeff Skinner was, like, upset about being straight it was some weird report i just saw it's a mess over there they gotta let the kid play i know he hasn't been doing well but you can't put nine million dollars in the press box every night i mean he is better Mm -hmm. than a lot of the people they're rolling out whether the actual goals and assist numbers aren't there his on ice impact is going to be better than whoever the heck else they're rolling out um, and then the other thing I just want to touch on is Artemi Panarin's a leave of absence from the Rangers. He's dealing with a mess with back in his home country. That's a mess. I don't really want to get into it because it just seems really messy. But um, yeah, that's your uh, East Division news. I don't know if you want to add anything there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll touch on those two subjects real quick, too. I mean, Buffalo just they got a lot of stuff to sort out and figure out. Um you know, the Eichel rumors have been around for a while, but at the same yeah, time, you know, at this it. point, it's like Eichel, if you want, you know, if you want something to happen, you got to produce too. Because I think they got what, like $30, $40 million tied up between three guys, between Skinner, Eichel, and Hall. And they've got three goals out of the three of them all year. And I think Hall has two of them. Eichel has one. Um, I'll double check that. You can keep yeah. talking. Yeah, I saw like an Instagram post on that. I forget who posted it, but I saw that. I was like, whoa. Um, Eichel's having a really good season. He has 14 points in 16. He only has two goals. I think Hall might only have one goal. Uh, okay. Hall supposedly hasn't scored since opening night. Yeah. I think Skinner has one assist all season. Skinner has like two points or something stupid yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, Hall's at one goal and 11 assists. Uh, any more news you saw in the past week that you want to talk about before we move on here? I thought I saw something about the Sharks, but I can't remember. Something about their practice or something? The Sharks. The Sharks and their I don't practice. Know if it was Nothing rings the bell. Thing, but. Yeah, nothing rings the bell. Rings the bell. So I don't know if you want to look something up here while we're talking, but we'll move on now to <clears throat> Devils game recaps. So we're going to recap the previous three Devils game. And before we start, I want to just say everyone's got to relax. What was that Aaron Rodgers thing he said like <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago? And like, yeah, and he like spelt out the word. It, it was just funny to me how people went from understanding this team still kind of rebuilding their young team, they're playing in a tough division, to oh my god, this team's legit. They're a very good hockey team making the playoffs. To wow, this is the worst team ever. Tanking, we got to tank. It was just crazy how stuff changed so quick. And I, James, there's I only think two that's options. Part of either- how we either win the Stanley Good. Cup or we win the lottery draft, okay? We win something. That's how this works. Yeah, it's just people, like, I. what happened is when the Devils went on that little terrible, what was it, like a three-game win streak or whatever, they were playing really good hockey. And they had some impressive teams. Just, yeah, they did. And people's expectations just got all out of whack. I mean, teams go on runs, team lose, teams lose games. I think the Devils, at the end of the year, are going to be better than people thought. But mm. people just got to hamper their expectations. It's not the end of the world. Teams are streaky. It happens. I just wanted to like put that out there because I saw a lot of people really like getting that. Like, the whole Nico Heashear thing was like getting out of whack or he was struggling a little bit. Like you, you can't ignore that. He was struggling yeah. a little bit, but I mean, that was expected. The dude hasn't played hockey in over a year, getting back from getting He's over conditioning allegedly back. getting over COVID. It's like, it, it was bound to happen. He played really well in this last game out and he's starting to figure out. It's just, people just got to take a deep breath, realize that this devil's team is still young, still finding their footing still kind of like a rebuilding like you just everyone just got relaxed 
Devils will get there just one day at a time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, all right. Three games we're previewing. In Washington, the 21st. Home versus Buffalo, the 23rd. And in Buffalo, there was two losses the Washington game and the first Buffalo game. So that brought the Devils losing streak up to three. And that's when people started freaking out. And then the Devils had a very nice victory against Buffalo yesterday. Mm-hmm. So four, three loss against Washington. Um, Janssen and Hughes actually got this goal scoring going. Uh, Janssen power play goal. Power play has been looking better than it has been, which hasn't been hard, but it is looking a little bit better. It's getting there. Hughes also scored a goal. So that made it a two nothing Devils lead. Then the capture scored. A whole bunch of goals. Um, they yeah. scored the next four. So it was 4-2. Nikita Gusev got a garbage time goal at the end of the game, which was good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Caps went three for four on their power play this game, which was yeah. just it was just stupid. We'll talk more about the PK later. Um, we're going to go really in-depth with it later on, so we won't get too much into it now. Washington dominated this game. It, it was funny. You... I know you said you uh, were working, so you missed one game. Did you catch this one? I did, actually. Yeah, I, I wrote the recap on it, too. Um, okay. It, it was the next game. So, it was the next Buffalo game we're going to go over that I, yeah. I missed. So the Devils came out hot and looked, like, really good. They got yeah. that Janssen goal. They were dominating. And then something turned, and the Caps literally dominated. I mean, it was domination the rest of the game. 5v5, mm-hmm. power play. It, it was just Really good hockey by the Caps. Aaron Dell wasn't bad. He started in this game as his first start, first night off for Mackenzie Blackwood since comeback from COVID. Craig Anderson got to start for the Caps. Um, yeah, I mean, it was not a good game. 5v5 is probably the worst Devils game of the year. They only had like a 35% goal share. Not a single Devils forward group had a positive goal share as a group. So, yeah, it just was not a good game. Um, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I mean, the... It- I remember watching the game and I went from being excited about writing the recap for it to absolutely wanting to tear into what was going wrong uh, with what was what the Devils were doing, basically, and how they kind of blew it. Um, uh, They scored like they went three for four on the power play, I think, that night, didn't they? Washington did. The the caps were the the game we're talking about now. Yeah. So Washington went three for four in the power play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you're you're up to nothing and you lose four three and you are basically one for four on your penalty kill. There's just kind of a, a big, besides the five on five that we talked about, there's a big indicator of what went wrong in that game. Um, whether you want to call it, you know, an ineffective penalty kill, or in my opinion, you know, you know, Washington's loaded, just stay out of the box and be disciplined. You know, that, that would That's help another solve thing the problem right about. there too. Um, it, it was sad. Cause it, like you said, it was a great start uh, against the team that, you know, is one of the top teams in the division. They're still kind of sorting their way through. They're not like as dominant as they were before. I think they're still adjusting to Laviolette's system. I think that's a factor um, to some of their slow starts. But I mean, Oshi was on a little bit of a dry streak. I think he got on the board twice in that game. Um, big. I'm, I'm a big TJ Oshi fan. I just wish he didn't do it against the Devils. <laughs> um, but there were still some positives I saw. I mean, we mentioned the Gusev goal on the empty netter. I think I wrote in the recap. Hopefully that, you know, gives him a little bit of something to get going. And, and I mean, I think we kind of saw it happen again here in, in a game or two. Um, Jack Hughes had a phenomenal play where he was basically the furthest back uh, to back check on a play, made it all the way back, caused a turnover, and then oh, caused the play game. to go the other way where he scores off a dish from Janssen. The pass is behind him on his backhand. He still somehow makes it into the net. I, I put the, like, clip of it on um on the recap and it's it took me a while to find it It wasn't like nbc because nbc like basically cut it like short they didn't show like the defensive side of it so and then i you know i noticed nico was getting stronger with his conditioning in that game as well and then you know eventually we saw him score so yeah it was very frustrating game um congratulations travis zajac on your thousandth game that was that was that game um if you guys haven't seen it, there is a video on the uh, Devils website, you know, kind of congratulating him. It has a bunch of former players, including James's favorite devil of all time, uh, Mr. Mr. Pops from the ZZ Pops line, um, Jamie Langenbrunner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he's in there, too. He's, he's in that video. Uh, wishing Travis congratulations. So. Oh, yeah, that was a great. 
yeah, yeah I got you. had a nice joke with him, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a disappointing loss. I feel like the devils came out strong. It was their game to lose. And that's ultimately how I feel about it. They, they lost, you know, it wasn't so much the capitals won that they lost. I don't know. The cats are really darn good in that game. Um, but yeah, devils shot themselves in the foot many a times, but yeah, that game was messy. Um, uh, next game, the four, one loss against Buffalo. Um, this is the one that you said you had to yeah, go back this was and the one where I had to it. Miss it yeah, I had to watch but, highlights. Um, so no scoring in period one, Buffalo got a power play goal. What else is new in period two, Victor Olsen, that dude's a beast. Um, he's oh, yeah. going to be a solid goal scorer in the NHL for years to come, especially on the power play. It's like baby Ovechkin on the power play. Um, Period three, the Devils were then outscored 3-1. So it was a final 4-1. Devils only goal of the game came on a Nikita Gusev garbage time goal once again. Goose is getting going, though. He had an assist in uh, the next game, too. So he's getting going, which is good. Uh, Devils were once again outplayed. Uh, Shots and goal were 42-37 in favor of New Jersey, though. When I say they were outplayed, the Devils got the quantity, but the quality was uh, not good. Um, So to... Further, like, prove this point. So, Corsi, which is shot attempts, so that's quantity. Devils had the higher Corsi 4 ratio. But expected goals, which is a better measure of quality, was in favor of Buffalo. The Devils only held a 45% goal share. Sabres were at 55%. So, that shows it was more quantity over quality for the Devils. And Lennis Allmark is a feeling it. He was terrific. Uh, one Buffalo, another game. Fortunately, he was hurt in the next game. We'll talk about that soon. But Linus Allmark was playing great hockey. Pretty underrated goalie. He's 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 like a decent starter. I don't think a lot of people see him as that, but they should. He's a, he's a decent goaltender. Um, yeah, this was not a good game, and this is where everything came to a head in terms of Devils fandom. People getting all worked up, thinking they're going to be tanking, and Nico Hishir people just ripping Nico. It was just ugly after this game. People just got to take a deep breath. But yeah, this was not a good game, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of what I picked up. I saw like the updates a little bit on my phone um, from us during doing the game updates, and then I saw the highlights after. I'm like, you know. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. Um, I'm trying to say what else. Uh, there's not really much else to say here. It just was not a good game. Um, the power penalty kill struggled again. Buffalo had a power play goal. Uh, analytical perspective, it wasn't as bad as that, that Washington loss they had. Like the Washington loss, they were pretty dominant at 5v5. The Devils actually had like some advantages at 5v5. It's just they weren't getting the quality they needed to to beat all mark. Even after the game, I believe it might have been Nico said in an interview, like, yeah, we just weren't getting bodies in front. And all mark was seeing everything, which was 100% true. But yeah, this was the game where everything boiled over and people were losing their minds. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, better better things ahead. And next Buffalo game. So at this point, I believe that de- the Sabres beat Buffalo three out of four or so, or the Sabres beat the Devils three out of four or something. It was, yeah. it was something weird. I don't know the exact record or season series. But anyway, Devils got back at Buffalo, played a really, really, really good hockey game. They won 4-3 at the end. Um, the Devils dominated the first period, but the Buffalo came away with a one-nothing lead. I hate when that happens. I hate when sports don't make sense, and they don't a lot of times. But mm. um, Devils were down one nothing after one. Nothing you could do. Buffalo or Devils were playing good hockey. Linus Olmark was unreal. So I believe was it at the beginning of period two? Carter Hutton came in for an injured Olmark. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure when he I'm came in. Certain. It was at the beginning of period two because Olmark made a ridiculous save on Nico. Mm-hmm. He got across, did the splits. Nico could have put the puck a little higher, but I mean, I'm not going to complain. It was just an unbelievable save. And you could tell he wasn't feeling too hot. The trainer came out and uh, was seeing how he was doing. And he made it through the rest of the period. And then Carter Hutton replaced him. I believe it was in period two. Dallas got going. Jesper Pratt scored a beautiful goal. It was just absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made it 1-1. But then Casey Millstat scored. Very a struggling prospect for Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, got a goal. Power play goal, of course. Power play was horrific in this game again, by the way. Um, and Shocker. then 
Yeah. And then um, that was the end of period two. So going to period three, it was 2-1. Buffalo, Devils took over period three, wood power play goal, and then a Nico Heischer goal finally. Um, didn't even know it went in. It was like a rebound type goal that like snuck through the pads. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a weird goal. Um, so that put the Devils up three. What was it at that point? That was the three third two. Goal. Yeah, it was three yeah. two. So it was three two, and then Sam Reinhart got a power play goal at the end of the game. Like there was like three minutes left or something like that. Commentary. It was just perfect with how the Devils power penalty kill was going mm-hmm. um it was like evident it, it was gonna happen you saw them take the penalty and then you're like oh jeez not again most of the teams are more like the same way on the power play we'll get to that but it's just yeah. it's frustrating to watch it's a mess um pavel zaka the pavel zaka game overtime winner was a, a rocket of a shot um i believe jester bratt had a nice setup on this play mm. um three points in this game eight point game streak for pavel zaka um, talk more about him later. Jasper Bratt at two points. A very good hockey game for him. Devils had the shots on goal advantage. 40 to 32. Well-deserved W. Shouldn't have even went to overtime. Should not have been as close of the game as it was. Maybe Buffalo should have had one goal, but, you know, penalty kill is going to penalty kill. So um, this looked like the team that got fans all types of expectations blown out of whack a little bit besides the penalty kill. Like it was a really good performance, 55% goal shared, even strength. Finally saw the Zaki, he shared Brat line perform up to expectations. That line was struggling a bit coming into this game. Mine popped up, uh, popped off. Nico had his best game of the season. Looks like he finally figured out conditioning wise. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one thing to take away is just Zaka. Um, continuing his phenomenal play. Uh, I remember the Brat goal, you know, I think we were kind of chatting about it and uh, we had people with two different reactions. We had people awing the Brat goal, which, you know, it was a good move and good shot. And I was just, you know, like I didn't even pay attention to the Brat part. I was just like, Zaka, what a, what a move coming out of his zone, just having the patience to like, just dance i guess is the proper word at his own blue line which is very dangerous um <laughs> but he pulled it off and he found the open man brat i mean in my opinion it was like brat that was a good goal by brat but brat doesn't get that goal if zaka does not like do what he basically did and find him like tape the tape with the pass i mean at that point in my opinion it was like you know brat had a chance and it was his to blow you know so yeah to be honest with you i totally missed that part like i just Totally. I know Zaka got the assist on it, but I just mm-hmm. totally missed that aspect of it. Yeah. To be honest think, with you, I, I got to go Zaka back and watch had, it. Like, two or three sabers on him that didn't continue to pressure him. They were just like on him initially, and then I think they either went for a change or they peeled back like defensively. So he was just kind of dancing away from him a about, little bit. Are you talking about where uh, Zaka like was this through his the defensive zone and then yeah, through this the was neutral coming zone out of the defensive then, zone on the on the breakout okay, because there was another play Zaka had where he shielded off like three sabers in the offensive zone and then set up a goal but we're talking about different things now go ahead yeah no no I mean bottom line I mean that play included you know I really hope Zaka continues playing like this because this is like. I think this is what most people expected sixth overall. <laughs> you know, um, he's it's a, only, he's a, he's uh, six a great years player later or whatever that. it is. He's a, he's a great player even before that. He does a lot of things very uh, good. I wouldn't say great. He's, uh, he's in he terms was, of he gets the job done for the most part. He what did what he do, was supposed to do well. Like yes, what yes. is like, yeah, Th- that he, he does that well. But now this is like stuff where I'm like, dang, this is like you looking like sixth overall right here, man. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get all Pavel Zaka talk with you. Um, we'll talk more about him and his performance here the past few games um, in the next segment or two. But, but yeah, it was a very good game. Overall, for it was important for the Devils to get this game against Buffalo because I was getting sick and tired of what we saw the past two Buffalo games. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a big game for them. Um, and they showed out and they played well. They played like they were up into that losing streak they went on. Um, I, I just want to go back because a lot of people, I think, were blaming the penalty kill for the losses, which had a big point to do with it. But it also had a lot to do with the fact that the Devils weren't playing how they were at 5v5 like they were in the beginning of the season. So I wouldn't say necessarily that it was solely because of the penalty kill they were losing those games, but they weren't playing well 5v5 either. But, um, but yeah, great game, good rebound game. So, yeah, those are the three games that we – 
that went on this past week. All right, so next up is like game previews like we usually do. The upcoming games, there's going to be one. We're actually filming this before the Saturday 1 o'clock game against the Caps, so that game's kind of caught in the no-man's land and won't be discussed until next episode recap. Um, But after that game on the 27th, they have Washington again on the 28th, which is the day of we're hopefully going to be dropping this episode back end of a back-to-back and then they got the Islanders on the second home and then they got the Rangers home on the fourth that Islanders game on the second is the first game with fans in attendance fun mm-hmm. um, myself I'll be at the 3-4 game and the 3-8 game against the Rangers I got tickets for those games I'm not nice going game. on the second I'm excited about that they are also wearing their reverse retros for the first time against the Islanders Pretty sure, which is cool. I know people are into that. Um, all right. We're not really going to talk about Washington much. We have in the past, the last episode, we talked about them a lot. Um, basically, they're, right now they're 10-5-4. and four. They're one of the better teams in the, the East Division. They're second right now. Lethal special teams, especially the power play. Ovechkin was hurt. He took a shot off the foot, but he's supposedly playing today, and that means he'll probably play tomorrow as well. Um, struggling to keep the puck out of their net, eh, but they're scoring at an unreal pace, so it balances out. I think that's basically the lowdown on Washington. <laughs> yeah, I so. agree. Um, well, I forgot the Islanders were positioned in here, so I didn't take much notes on the Islanders, but the Islanders are doing better than I thought they were going to do, which I feel like is the case every year now. They're playing good hockey. They're 7-2-1 in their last 10, and they're third in the East right now. Good. The Flyers are finally falling off a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the standings now. they got three less games. Though, I think the Flyers just got screwed part. back like a game ago. Yeah, the, we got COVID some COVID issues between the Flyers. But, um, yeah, Islanders, I think it's that thing they're doing where they just keep everything to the outside and they're relying on good goaltending and they're taking advantage of opportunities offensively when they get them. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong, but I feel like that's what the Islanders always do Usually and the what state. they're doing again this year. But, yeah, that's the Islanders. Uh, Varlamov, I think, still doing really well. I don't know if um, – what's his face? Sorokin has figured it out. I'm going to look that up now. He has an 8.95 save percentage this year currently. It was lower than that, though, the previous however many games. He hasn't played a lot this year. Um, yeah. It's been the third game, uh, the Varlamov show. He only has four starts. He's 1-2-1, one, 8.95 one, save percentage. Sermayan Varlamov has played a whopping 15 games. He has a 9-2-8 save percentage, 9-4 and 2 record. So he's their guy. He's been playing really good hockey this year. So, um, Anything else about the Islanders here before we move on to the Rangers? I think uh, Matt Barzell's come alive a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's carrying that team offensively. I know at one point he was... Uh, Getting benched, I think it was more towards the end of last year. He was, you know, having those random like sits, which just confused me. I'm like, just let the kid play. Like, gosh. <laughs> um, but he, I'm pretty sure Barzell's been like carrying them. And for a team that's like defensive minded first, that's even more impressive that he's just that responsible for their offense. So. Yeah, seventeen points in uh, nineteen games, so that'll that'll yeah, do. That'll Anders leaves the next highest with thirteen in nineteen. So yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. So um, that's basically Rangers all I got time. to say about them. So yeah, Rangers time. Uh, okay, New York Rangers. They still have their COVID mess that they were getting. Back. Nah, not COVID mess. They have a Kako on the COVID list, and they had Keandre Miller on the COVID list. Keandre Miller got activated. Believe Kako's still on there. Coming off a thrashing of the um, the Boston Bruins. I joked in the chat, I don't know if you saw it, that you probably said something good about the Bruins last night, which triggered them <laughs> getting absolutely pooped on by the Rangers. Um, so Rangers are currently sixth in the East with a 7-8-3 record. No Panarin because of that situation we are talking about before. Unsure if that's going to – it probably will last by the time the Devils play them in two games. Who knows? Maybe that gets figured yeah. out. Um, they're an okay 5v5 team. Their numbers have regressed since the start of the season. Um, sterkin has been really good. I want to double-check his uh, stats here real quick. Go ahead. You could take over and start talking about these Rangers. Yeah, I mean, they had a, a pretty good game against Boston, unfortunately. Um, that's supposed to be our thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
they are going to be probably missing Panarin uh, in in the contest that we're going to be playing against them. Um, I think Lafreniere's maybe scored another goal since that first one. Um, I don't think I've seen too much about him really getting going. Um, there's kind of been more question marks about it. Two goals and one assist on the year. Yeah. Lafreniere. Um, I mean... It'll be interesting. Uh, did Zibanejad get out of his slump? I know he was slumping a lot. Um, I think he hasn't really done too much since then. He's in, I don't know his stats. I don't have them in front of me. But he I think he's was, having a pretty um, down year. Yeah, so I read on The Athletic, um, they had a really good series going of which guys are going to regress the most. Mm-hmm. And Zibanejad was like number one on that list. His um, his. Ex- expected goals and his actual goals were a big disruption. See, like he had 40 something goals last year, right? It was something stupid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's regressed a decent bit this year. I just want to go back real quick. So Sturkin's got a nine, one, nine save percentage and Georgie has back up above 900 or not, whatever you want to say. Yeah. 900 save percentage. Mm. He was like down the dumps. Yeah. But struggling bad, but he's figured out. So Rangers, they're finally going back to that mold of, um, good goaltending bailing them out. As you can see, Gorgiev and Shosturkin are starting to figure it out. Shosturkin's yeah. been good all year, but yeah, I feel like that's basically the Rangers. They're finally they're finally the team people thought they were going to be. <laughs> yeah, they're finally relying on so. their goaltending. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is the offense just isn't what they were expecting. You know, guys regressing that they weren't expecting to, guys not performing the way they were expecting to. It's a combination of both. Um, and we've already discussed their defensive core you know tons already besides in my opinion you know adam fox and keandre miller i think there's there's question marks and uh you'd hope truba you know he's a veteran he can figure it out if you're a rangers fan you know obviously i don't hope that as a devil's fan i I hope that rangers just you know just don't do good um but you would expect someone if you're a rangers fan like like truba to kind of have the veteran knowledge to figure out what's going on and, and work through it so yeah, I think it's funny when Devils and Rangers both got like Subban and Truba at a similar time. And then mm-hmm. there was like, oh, who did a better job getting who? Turns yeah. out both didn't do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's it for the Rangers. You want to add anything here before we move on to the next part? Nope, we can move on. Okay, so just summary. They got the Capitals on Saturday the 27th. We are recording this before that game, so you won't be able to hear us talk about uh, what happens with it. That'll be next episode. Then we got 28th against Washington back end of a double header on Sunday. And then on the second first home game with fans against the New York Islanders. I believe that's the second time we've seen the Islanders all year. Yeah. Third time. I'm sorry. They split one earlier and then the Rangers on the fourth. So that's the games coming up for the devil. All right, newish segment, I guess you could say. It's not exactly trending up, trending down. That's next. This is like three either players on the Devils, three aspects of the Devils that have caught our eye in the next uh, in the past week that we want to discuss. And the three this week are the penalty kill, Damon Severson, and Pavel Zaka. So, the penalty kill. I never played hockey. I want to mm-hmm. get that out of the way because I know people like – People who play hockey, I know, uh, Chris, you played hockey. You played at the (laughs) college-ish level. Yes. Um, So even though you played at college and this is NHL teams we're talking about, you could still talk about the penalty kill because it's not the same way. It doesn't work at every level, but it's pretty darn similar. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all the same ideals and principles. Yeah. So my experience when I'm talking about it, I played lacrosse growing up and lacrosse and hockey are similar Kind of right, Chris. Yes. They got their similarities, yeah. and the man down in in uh, lacrosse, I think, is pretty similar to hockey. It's the same type of structure you want to keep. So that's kind of like how I'm going to be speaking about it. And Chris has more of the hockey view, right? I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Penalty kill success rate is at 58 percent this year, Chris. 58. Worst it's, penalty it's kill in the history of penalty kills since they started keeping track. Yeah. Personnel, I don't have a problem with. I don't I I don't mind who they use on the penalty kill. Sammy mm. Botton's been a very good penalty kill historically. He has been garbage on the penalty kill this year. <laughs> yeah. Um Ryan Murray's been fine on the penalty kill in the past. He has been garbage on the penalty kill this year. Everyone's been bad on it. Yeah. Um people have the argument of 
the fact that they lost Blake Coleman, they lost Andy Green. Sure, that's huge. They're not around anymore, and they took big minutes on penalty kill. But that's not excuses to have the worst penalty kill of all time. Yeah. So what I see when I'm watching is the Devils – and you jump in anytime here because I want this to be like a really good open discussion where we're spitting ideas here, both of us talking. So in my opinion, I feel like they're being almost too aggressive. I feel like when you're playing a penalty kill, you – have your zones on the ice right that you protect if a guy floats into your zone that's your guy right you want to be paying attention to that guy am i correct in saying that yes um usually it's it's kind of a zone play just because you're outnumbered but yeah um you want to you want to keep your head on a swivel or at least like mentally have an idea of where everyone is yeah and if someone creeps into your zone you want to make sure you're marking them Right, yeah. you don't want to get that puck through. Basically, you, you want to have wanna, that puck. Yeah, going you want to you want to make it less tempting to use that passing lane, but at the same time, Which you're not trying to compromise the shot. Like that's why you'll yeah. see guys like just hanging their sticks out to the left and standing in front of a shot. Well, they're trying yeah, to like that's all. Yeah, they're trying Same to do thing two things at once. Like everywhere, respect the passing lane and the shot. So yeah, and that's all with playing your zones and making sure you have you know. So I feel like they're being too aggressive. You. Devils chasing pucks into the corner and stuff, and yeah. then when you have one devil in the corner, two it, it just leaves someone open, and then mm-hmm. the puck gets out. Devils usually lose the puck battle, which has been the theme on the penalty kill. Yeah, and then the defenseman that was fighting for the puck is late getting back, and then there's a wide open pass on the doorstep. The other thing I've noticed is the bottom two guys, because on the power play, teams with opposing power play have the two guys. Basically, they have a guy in the net front, then they have the two other guys lower, usually two people on the doorstep, right? Yeah, you'll either run what a I've diamond been, or, a, or a box, but it's more it's more common to see a box than a diamond. Yeah, what I've been noticing is the Devils, two defensemen that are like closest to the goal on like the goal, the, the pipes, basically, they're creeping up too far. And they're like kind of like yeah. puck chasing up too far. And then that leaves a wide open guy in the doorstep. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I, I don't know if that's because they're being too aggressive. I think the whole idea of penalty kill is sit in your zones. Let the play come to you. When the play comes to you, you take care of the player in your zone. And you can't get too sucked in puck watching. Or else there's going to be people on the doorstep that put open an uh, easy goal, which has happened a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've been thinking about it. You know, just from watching the uh, games and everything, um, <clears throat> it's very frustrating to see the same. I won't say every power play they score, but for the bulk of these penalty kills, the Devils have been on and the power plays other teams have been on. It almost ends, always ends with a pass to the slot, like right in front of the goaltender to someone who's left wide open in front and they just score every time like that. Like most of the time, that's what I'm seeing. And that's what's so frustrating um, is because you shouldn't, you know, I don't care what kind of penalty kill system you run. There's no system that says leave a man wide open in front of your goaltender for a pass. Like that's just not sure, a thing. That's when the devils are running. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I think it was Ryan Murray. Uh, maybe it was the Washington game. I think it was the Washington game. Yeah. It was the Washington game where he ran out to the corner and I watched it. And I'm like, what are you doing? You had your man tied up in front. The guy in the corner has a low percentage shot. If he takes one, like what are you doing? Um, I, and I don't know if it's, you know, if it's the fact that Lindy Ruff has like a more offensive style system and that mindset has just kind of infected the penalty kill potentially. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's basic system stuff. That's really frustrating me because, you know, it, it's good to have an aggressive penalty kill, but you can't be too aggressive. Like the, you leave stuff wide open. Um, yeah, and so that's my my was my whole point is aggression, and what you were just discussing was about the Devils being too aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. So you're on the same same boat as me that they're just being way too aggressive, and it's yeah. leaving people wide open. Yeah, it's, okay. It's just you know sometimes uh, whether you're literally tying the man up in front or on the penalty kill, I'm I'm cool if you like aren't tied up with him, but you're at least close to him. You're on him where if like the puck's coming his way, you can immediately tie him up or something just so that way you're still free to kind of react to anything. But these guys are just getting in the slot in like prime scoring positions and they're not being like touched. They're not being bullied. They're not paying the price for going there. Um, It's frustrating. 
and I, I think, you know, I don't think it's an accident that we're seeing a lot of teams score that way on their power plays. I'm, I mean, these teams watch film. I'm sure they all have recognized the one Devils the, have a weakness there for some bizarre reason. The, I forget who it was. I think it was Olsen basically flat out said that, um, yeah, the Devils power play is not good and we need to take advantage of that. Yeah, <laughs> in like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's teams. Teams do research. They watch film. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, part it's frustrating. Of, that's all part about sports. You know, the yep. the film. We we both had to deal with it growing up playing sports. I'm, mm-hmm. It's a very big thing, and you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just a mess, to be honest with you. And as Chris laid out as well, it's about we feel the Devils are just being too aggressive. And the penalty kill is about letting the play come to you almost yeah. and staying in your zones, occupying your zones, and not getting carried out of your zones. Because the Devils are being too aggressive, getting carried out of their zones, yeah. and leaving people wide open on the doorstep. And that needs to, that needs to stop. It's it's It can be good to have an aggressive penalty kill. And it's successful. You know, it's not... It, it can be successful. It's not uncommon, but it's just it's way too aggressive. Defensemen are like coming up too high, leaving guys down low wide open. Um, I mean, for me, normally the, the aggressive like penalty kill is like you're giving them less time to think and operate, which isn't really what's happening. Um, it, I think when the Devils are making these aggressive moves, they're like a little too late. They're like a half step too late, and that's what's leading to these bang bang plays, like just past you know. Get a pass, wait for him to come out to you. You already know who you're passing it to. As soon as he comes out, boom, then you shoot it or you pass it or whatever. So I think, I think there's stuff. a delicate balance. You can have an aggressive penalty kill, but the Devils, I think, are just way too aggressive on it right now to the point where like too many people are getting sucked out of position. And the whole point of the aggressive penalty kill is to not give the power play time to think. That's that's the whole point yeah. of it is to force them to make mistakes. And teams, you know, they're, they're having enough time still – to make decisions and make passes and stuff. Yeah. You think that like me being a 22 year old kid who's sports, like playing sports, like highest level was high school lacrosse and a kid that, what are you? 25, 26, 26, 26 year old kid whose highest level of playing sports was hockey in college at the double A level or whatever. CHA, baby. Yeah. Well, could sit here and tell you exactly what's wrong with the power play. And they can't, I'm sure they know what the issue is. It's just not being fixed. I don't know. I just think the whole situation's weird. They better fix it. People yeah. are getting mad. <laughs> it's, it's always so. easy to be the armchair, but yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, I feel like it's everyone saying the same thing. It's not just us. <laughs> so anyway, um, okay, penalty kill. That's what we're looking out for. Hopefully it gets better. Well, I'm sure that's something we'll both be watching here today and the next day. So as the season goes on, that will figure out the PK. They could get back to being at least competitive. So, yeah. um, all right. Damon Severson is next. I wrote a big old article. Probably should have put it in two parts on Damon Severson. Now he's having a tremendous year. I is used the word elite. conversation. Oh, he is. He oh. should be. He's oh, not, so my, but he should be. My hope for the season is alive. My my prediction that, for the season is alive. Was that a prediction? That was. That he would be you in the... You gotta go uh, back and look at that. I have a feeling I definitely ripped you for saying you, that. You and did. now I'm the you one writing the article bit. for it. <laughs> you did rip me for it a little bit. I said... That's awesome. I Good said he you. would be in the conversation. <laughs> did you really say I that? Yeah. That's awesome. Good for you. Anyway... More, all right, back to me. Let me. I want. I want to talk now. But anyway, no, that's awesome. I, I totally forgot that. That's good for you. That's why. That's why. Uh, you know. That's why you gotta have those hot takes. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So yeah, I wrote a big old article. Damon Severson is elite and should be regarded as an early season Norse Trophy candidate. Probably won't be because his traditional point output isn't there, and that's unfortunately what a lot of these people look for which is just wrong. I mean, it's defensemen should be playing good defense and sure if the offense is there as well, then yeah, sure. Anyway, um, basically what the article goes into is how good he's been this year. He's in the highest percentiles in the league offensively and defensively. His defensive numbers are unreal, higher percentiles in the league. He's great at the entries, the exits, entry defense. Really good chart here by the shutdown line on Twitter. Um, taking natural stat trick data. He's in the 93rd percentile through, I believe it was his 13 games played in offense in terms of defensemen in the NHL. 98th percentile in defense and 95th percentile in transition. 
it's it just absolutely absurd year. I'm not going to go through this whole article because that would just take forever. But the big thing for me with Damon Severson is his impact with his teammates. So Severson's mainly served on two different defensive pairings this year. Damon Severson and Dmitry Kulkov, which was a pairing big in the beginning of the season. And then Damon Severson and Ty Smith, which has been the pairing for the past however long. So that's Severson Kulkov pairing. Corsi for a percentage of 59.22. Keep in mind, 50 is like the benchmark, the average. That ranks that ranks second in the NHL of 76 total qualified pairings. So the Kulkov, Severson, Corsi for a percentage ranks second in the NHL of defensive pairings. That expected their expected goals as a duo was 63%. That ranked third in the NHL. Total NHL out of 76 qualified pairings. Severson Smith, Corsi 4 is first. Expected goals is first. That is the best pairing in the NHL. Severson Smith. Mm-hmm. It, which is unreal. Ty Smith is a rookie. He's still figuring out his defensive game. Yeah. It, it's just unreal the impact Damon Severson is having. I have a chart here at the end that I'm going to talk about, like a table of Damon Severson mm-hmm. and other high caliber defensemen in the NHL. Kale McCarr is unreal. It's just crazy how good that kid is. He's probably mm-hmm. going to win the Norris Trophy this year, deservingly so. Severson's numbers, and this is um, Corsi 4 percentage, expected GAR, goals above replacement, which is a good stat. It's like war in baseball and expected goals. Severson's numbers there are better than the likes of Alex Petrangelo, Roman Yossi, Victor Hedman, Chris Letang. Kale McCarr's are a little bit better than him and just because Kale McCarr is doing unreal. Yeah. But it, it's just crazy. Um, and then one more thing here is Severson, as crazy as it sounds, offensively is not performing to how he should because his teammates are not finishing the chances he's <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's um, setting there. up. Yeah, so this is courtesy of Jay Fresh on Twitter. He does really good work. Damon Severson has the lowest or the worst on-ice goals scored above expected, which basically – it's a lot of fancy words, but it basically means that he can't catch a break because his teammates aren't finishing off his chances, and he's being affected by that the most in the whole NHL. So his offensive numbers should even be better than what they already are. And his defense numbers are already really good. Yeah. Bottom line is David Saberson's elite. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure anyone who follows this podcast knows that we do not appreciate any sort of slander towards Damon Severson slander (laughs) like that is just not a thing um yes he's had some mishaps and yes those mishaps while few and far between have been super glaring yeah but for (laughs) the most part he has been the devil's best defenseman for a couple seasons now yeah he has been he's been just absolutely terrific and I even put in the article here I have a paragraph dedicated to it Mm-hmm. Um, about the plus-minus argument because Emerson has seasons of minus 31, minus 27, and minus 20. How that just isn't a great argument, the plus-minus thing. Um, those numbers were due to the fact that Severson was playing top-tier competition on a bad hockey team. That's yeah. how plus-minus usually works. Also, I pointed out the fact that when he does make a mistake, which is rare, as you just said, far mm-hmm. few between, it's usually a costly one. And I put a link <laughs> in here to his own goal he scored in overtime against Toronto a couple of years yeah. ago. But yeah, um, yeah Damon Severson's great. So. Yeah, we we don't we don't take any Damon Severson slander. We ain't about that life. Yeah. <laughs> So that's uh first two things we talked about is PK and Damon Severson. Now we're moving on to uh, people are dubbing it Zaka Mania. I don't know if that's something you're into, but that's what I people have not are calling heard it. that, but I'm for it. Let's go. Let's <laughs> ride the train. Choo choo. So, uh, Alex Chalvon C, um, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks back. He's a he's a dear friend of the podcast. Um, he's a the hockey writers wrote a terrific, absolutely terrific article on Pavel Zaka and his resurgence this year. Go go read it. We retweeted it from the page. You can find it on his Twitter feed uh, too as well. I'm sure. Um, basically just laid out how good of a season Pavel Zaka is having. Uh, five goals and seven assists, 12 points on the year in 15 games. Leads the team. <laughs> Leads New Jersey Devils in scoring this year. Uh, 66-point pace over 82 games, which would be by far his se- uh, season high. Um, of course, we're only playing 56 games this year, so mm-hmm. that would be a 45-point pace. Eight-game point streak. During this point streak, um, 10 points in total. 
surprisingly, the analytics check out too. Uh, above 50% Corsi 4 ratio and above 50% expected goals. 4 ratio. Pavel Zaka is playing his best hockey by far of his career. Yeah. So, I mean, he's like I said earlier on, you know, I hope he, he keeps playing at a level like this. I mean, this is like sixth overall, you know, kind of crazy performance. Um, he, I don't know what it is. If it's Ruff's system, he's definitely had more confidence this year. I think, I think that's been pretty evident with Zaka. Um, especially the, this streak that he started to go on. Um, I don't know if maybe it's Brat being back, if that's helped. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm thrilled with what I'm seeing from Zaka. I hope this keeps moving forward. That he keeps playing like this. Um, he's having fun out there. He looks confident, and that that only helps. You know, the the deeper this team can be offensively, I mean. I, there's there's a lot of words I could say, but I'm I'm just glad to see he's he's performing like this, and hopefully he keeps it going and everything. Because I'm not a fan of people, you know, bringing up that he was a sixth overall pick, which you know it it is factual, and you know, yes, we we probably would expect him to perform a little bit more than he has historically, but um, I'm just glad he's he's finally you know on this streak and people are respecting him for it, so. Yeah, and I want to put out there that I have been a Pavel Zaka defender or mm-hmm. like what, a Pavel Zaka apologist. Yeah. Is that what people – is that the correct term? It's For like, a while. It's, and it's, it's like it's, you said before. Like it's not that he was phenomenal, but the things he had to do or that he was tasked with doing, he did well enough. Yeah, he and that's my whole argument. Yes, up to this point, you could – I would not say the word bust. That is not a no. fair term to nope. use. Pavel nope. Zaka has played Mm-mm. one of the most games of any player in that draft class. And he has contributed well as a third, fourth line penalty kill two-way centerman. And that is fine. That was okay to accept. You should be able to accept that. Now I could understand why people were disappointed because <laughs> he was picked so high. I, I, I get that. I could see why people could have yeah. been a little disappointed. I, I feel that. I get that. I just thrown around the word bust and just the constant ripping of him wasn't warranted and I wasn't here for it. Yeah. Finally, yep. he's putting it all together. And usually what happens with Pablo Zaka is he puts it all together for a little bit and then he has a few down games and people are like, oh, no, just kidding. This kid sucks. He's been consistent so far and he has the bat- analytics to back it up, which hasn't been the case in the past. I hope it continues. Great for Pablo Zaka. I'll always be a Pablo Zaka guy. Yeah. So. No, I mean it's good. It's good to see that we have, and and this is a huge thing. I wish Devils fans would would just take a second, take a step back and look how many first rounders we have on this roster that are performing, and also other draft picks as well. I mean, obviously you've got Nico and Jack, but you've got Pavel Zaka, you've got Ty Smith on the roster as well. You got Michael McLeod. You've got a bunch of guys who were drafted like in the first round that have cracked the NHL roster, and that's never a guarantee, even for first-round picks. There's tons of first-round picks that turn into busts or can't make it past the AHL or maybe play like four or five games in the NHL. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I it just doesn't make me happy when I see people taking that stuff away from Pavel Zaka. Like, he's had a... He's had a decent career. I mean, not a six overall pick career, but I mean, he's been a productive player for the Devils, and he's still young. He's twenty three. Mm-hmm. Could you believe that? Yeah. So younger than me, um, but yeah, I think that's not younger than me though. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's it here. Zaka, penalty kill, and Damon Severson. Anything you want to add about these three things before we move on here? Gotta, we gotta hurry up. Devils game starting five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're good. we can we can move on to the next segment. For those of you who are right, listening, cool. we we got the Washington game coming up here in about six minutes. <laughs> so, um, all right, Devils stock up, stock down. For me, the stock up, of course, Pavel Zaka, yeah. Damon Severson, Ty Smith <laughs> as a pairing. The power play has been better. Then people think um, that was ranked 31st, 30th at one time. I believe mm. it's up to like maybe top 20 NHL. It's close to that. Um, it's doing well recently. I think it's converting at like a 28, 29% clip over the past few games, which is a solid number. That's usually top 10 pace. And then Nikita Gusa is finally figuring it out. Two goals and assists in his past two games, I think it is. Yeah. Would prefer to see him in the top six, but 
it is what it is. And then Jasper Bratz just being quietly a beast. Yep. That's my stock up. I, I agree. So. I agree with that list. Um, you know, Gusev, two empty net goals. Hopefully that translates into more positives coming forward, more five on five, five on four kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, stock down. That fourth Devil's line penalty kill. would. Yeah, that's number one here. I have that listed <laughs> as well. Um, I have the fourth line of Bastion, Wood, McLeod. They have been great for so long this season, but the past however many games that line's been not too I think good. There's a little bit of a cool down. Re- yeah, and it's being relied on too much by Ruff. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him split that line up finally. Miles Wood's still playing well. I wouldn't mind seeing Miles Wood like maybe up a line. Michael McLeod's fine. I, I want him still on. Like, it's they're not bad by any means. It's just not as good as they were doing. So, <clears throat> so I think that was something to note there. And Sammy Votnin just has been struggling since he's been re-entered in the lineup, especially on the penalty kill. 5v5, it's been eh, but um, penalty kill specifically. So, Yeah. No, I, I, any, I agree with anyone you, you right there. Add or Biggest anything thing for me with that refute. penalty kill system, the system yeah, in it's general. Not, it's not good. And as you know, we had quite a few words on that earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add? Stock up, stock down once. No, I, I think we're, we've covered it stock up, stock down. Good, good. Um, last segment here. Binghamton Devils update. It's not good, Binghamton, Chris. <laughs> it's, it's not good oh, down boy. there. Uh, Binghamton has lost five in a row. One of which came in overtime, so they did get a point in that five-game stretch. They're now two, three, one, and one. The AHL does that shootout loss as a separate mm-hmm. category for whatever reason. That's sixth out of seven teams in the North Division. Defense is real troublesome, Chris. Real troublesome mm-hmm. for Binghamton. Uh, 26 goals against is one of the tops in the AHL. Last night, they lost to um, Hershey and got down like 6-1 or 5-1 at one point. Kevin Ball, Colton White, and Vujicic all had like glaring misplays in that run, which is expected. Not out of Colton White so much, but the other two because they're so young and they're dressing the professional hockey. Overall, Vujicic has been pretty good. Ball's been not very noticeable, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, Colton White's game. I'm just not a big fan of Colton White. I know some people are. Uh, we had that discussion, though, I think. Me and Alex did when Alex came on. Offensively, Nolan Foote looks good. Um, Nick Merkley's looked good down there. Jesper Boquist has played a couple games down there. He actually had a beautiful pass to set up Marion Student Nietzsche last night. Mm-hmm. Marion Student Nietzsche just looked good. I don't really know what his ceiling is, though. Maybe he'll be an NHL or like bottom line NHL or one day. Um, Ben Street's played well, or yeah, Ben Street's played well. Brett Sini's done well. It's not really their offense. Their offense has been doing pretty good. It's mainly their defense that has been struggling, but yeah, not good in Binghamton so far. How much do you think the existence of the taxi squad this year is affecting their play? I think it certainly is, but it's affecting everyone else's too. Mm -hmm. You know, like every team has a taxi squad. So I don't know if you could use that as maybe this is showing the devil's prospect pool isn't as deep as it, but Devil's prospect pools one of the better in the league. Maybe it's not as t- t- I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the reason is. They're just a mess defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Gilly Sen's not been terrible. He's been left out on his own a lot, but he has had some of his struggles. This reminds me a lot of the Binghamton Devils game uh, team we saw in the beginning of last season before they went on that insane stretch towards the end. Maybe it'll happen again, but um, just not too good of hockey out of Binghamton right now. So they play again today, the 27th round, recording this against Hershey. Um, and then they have a whole week off. They don't play again until March 6th or March 7th. So we got a whole week without Binghamton hockey. So just a little schedule update for you. Maybe the break but, will do them yeah. good. Hopefully. Hopefully they figure things out. But um, I think that's all I have, Binghamton-wise. Chris, is there anything else like overarching here before we close around out? No, not that I can think of. All right. Uh, but yeah, we're hoping. So we're hoping to have this one out on Sunday the twenty eighth before the Devils' second game and back to back. I haven't gone too far ahead to look when we're recording next. Maybe after the three four Rangers game, I think that's like a Friday night, and maybe we'll get a Saturday morning episode to y'all. But we'll see. Keep you on your toes. Um, anything else here, Chris? Before we 
Ender. Let's go, Devils, baby. Yes, sir. As always, everyone stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you maybe in about a week.